This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are switching gears. So, Ontario's doctors have been without a contract with the province for three years. The body charged with negotiating that deal has been mired in infighting. And last week, the executive of the Ontario Medical Association, and that is the body I am speaking of, barely survived a non-confidence motion brought before a special meeting. Last night, even though they survived this, this executive committee decided to resign en masse anyway. What does this mean for patients who need health care? I'm going to give the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now I'm on the line with Dr. Sohail Gandhi, who is the doctor who introduced the non-confidence motion. Welcome, Dr. Gandhi. Hi there. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So what does this mean? Uh, presumably all the people who are in charge, including the president, Dr. Virginia Wally, are now out. So, you know, I think the, I think the main question is what it really means for the patients of Ontario, because uh, I don't think it really matters to uh, the people of Ontario who exactly happens to be in charge or who's running the OMA because that's a, a physician's representative organization. Well, that, that's matters, correct, but I think we want to know that someone is running it. Well, I think, I, think what it, I think what people of Ontario really want to know is how does this affect them, right? Okay. How does this, how does this affect them in terms of their health care? What does this mean in terms of health care going forward? Uh, because that's really, I think, what's, the, what's relevant. And you know, my take on that is that regardless of who's in charge at the OMA or who happens to be the president or whatever internal discussions are going on, uh, the people of Ontario deserve uh, uh, an OMA that will speak out on behalf of health care issues and will speak out even more forcefully on what's turning into sort of an emerging health care crisis in this province and will advocate on behalf of their patients. And if this move allows us to do that better, which I think it will, um, and allows us to look at new and different ways of approaching how to address the emerging healthcare crisis, then, then at the end of the day, I think it will mean good things for the patients of Ontario because it means that someone is in, has got their back and someone is supporting them more and someone is advocating for them uh, even more strongly than before. Okay, so basically you were saying that, that this particular executive was slow moving and uh, was a little bit uh, too acquiescent to what the government wanted. Is that correct? So I, I think that the executive um, is made of some very, very good people. I know, I know all of the executive members. They're very good people and they're, you know, different approaches to situations. Uh, and it's time for, for a different approach. It's time for a clean slate. I, I really, you know, commend them because they put a lot of time and a lot of effort into helping uh, helping patients, and and at the end of the day, they recognized that a, that a new approach was needed, and and I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. 
Okay. And is there someone in place or a team of people in place, or is this just kind of a, a, a kind of transition? So there's an interim, uh, interim chair of the board right now, uh, Dr. Coleman. Uh, so, so right now there is an interim uh, person in place. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, of course, there'll be a more formalized structure put in. Okay. Uh, and what are your patients asking you? What does this mean? I mean, you know, nobody wants their doctor to be unhappy with their situation in terms of remuneration or anything like that. So, you know, the biggest concern, as I said, for patients is are they going to get the health care when they need it? Um, and I think patients will support any move that allows uh, advocacy for health care. And I think that that's the biggest concern I'm seeing. A, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the other sort of stuff that goes on in terms of medical politics and stuff, I mean, that's really not something that patients honestly care about. Yeah, and, it's and inside baseball. I agree. What are, what are your priorities in terms of advocacy? So we need to figure out a way to get a cooperative relationship with the government. Uh, and that's just not happened right now. Uh, we've been trying that for three years, and there has to be some sort of cooperative relationship uh, going on. I think that we're at the point where it's reasonable to say, look, we've been butting heads for three years. You need to put an independent third-party arbitrator in place to help solve some of the disagreements about health care as managed. Um, the physicians have been saying that for about a year and a half now. Dr. Hoskins, the health minister, has refused to give us that. Uh, but, I mean, really, when two people aren't able to come to some sort of agreement, that's that's a next logical step. Right. But what makes you think that uh, after he's been saying no for three years, he's suddenly going to change his mind? I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine that he will be moved because you have a change in your executive. Uh, I think that if you look at his poll numbers, um, that that hopefully will drive things. And I also happen to think that as the healthcare crisis gets worse, we're going to hear more and more, uh, particularly as, as this, this kind of move has empowered physicians from, to speak out, and we're going to hear more and more physicians start talking about individual situations of, of cases that just aren't being managed well, of, of patients who aren't getting the care that they deserve. And that kind of thing has got to put a lot of pressure on him to come to some sort of cooperative agreement. So, again, what area do you think has to be addressed first in terms of your advocacy? Is it what, what type of care is in the most crisis? So right now, the biggest crisis, I see, I see three really big areas of crisis right now. Uh, cancer care. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing delays on cancer patients like I've never seen. I've been practicing for 25 years. And I'm seeing delays like I've never seen before. I'm seeing physicians resort to Facebook to beg specialists to see their patients early because they're falling outside of the approved guidelines for receiving treatment. Uh, I'm seeing home care patients uh, really suffering. They're not getting the home care that was promised to them. Uh, And orthopedic patients as well. We have something like 160 unemployed orthopedic surgeons in this province, and we've got wait lists of up to two years for joint replacements. So those are the three big areas where patients are not getting the care they deserve. Mm-hmm. And there's more, but you know, and you that's because you need, say, more uh, hip and knee replacements funded. We need more. We need more joint replacements funded. We, you know, I honestly don't think it's a matter of of the amount of funding. I've personally always maintained that it's because the the healthcare priorities are 
completely out of sync at the Ministry of Health. Uh, I really think that there's a fair bit of redundancy, there's a fair bit of bureaucratic duplication, and a lot of the money that we should be spending on frontline health care simply is being spent on bureaucracy that's, that's very, very redundant uh, and really not a prior- shouldn't be a priority in any high-functioning health care system. What about this new system that they call Patients First? Right. Uh, so there are two acts. There's Patients First and I think Protecting Patients. Uh, and both acts, I I'm guess I didn't know the Liberals had hired George Orwell to write their acts because <laughs> they certainly don't, the titles certainly don't reflect what the acts do. Um, for Patients First, just, you know, the background is that the Auditor General um, in 2015 and 2016 severely criticized Minister Hoskins for spending too much on CCAC, that's home care bureaucracy, and not right. enough on frontline yes, care. We... And so his solution in Patients First is to take 14 regional bureaucracies, there are 14 regional health care authorities called LINs, and to increase them to 78, right? Uh, and not one extra cent is going into frontline patient care. It's not not one extra cent is going into into PSWs that are needed in the home. Not one extra cent is going to frontline nurses. So uh, that's where I say that you know we can talk about paying more, paying more, but you also have to look at how the system is managed, and the management of the system is really really poor right now. Okay, and we have to agree with you on that one, and I'm sure that we will continue this conversation. Dr. Sohail Gandhi, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.